Welcome to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, the ultimate resource for professionals looking to improve their English skills. If you have an intermediate to advanced level of English and you want to improve or experience a lack of time and practice opportunities, we're here to help. Every week, you'll have a new episode that addresses your specific English language needs providing tips and insights to help you excel in business meetings, negotiate contracts, deliver impactful presentations, or engage in casual conversations with international colleagues. Don't let the lack of time and practice hold you back. Tune in and unlock your full potential as a fluent English speaker. And Maki, thank you very much for being our first guest. Usually we have like only uh, hosts and co-hosts, but you are our first guest here at the show. So thank you very much for being with us. Oh, thank you, David. And thanks for having me. I'm honored. This is really fun. Yeah, I'm super glad we found you because you are an expert at something. Uh, people who are learning English are very frequently worried or interested on which is accent. People right. uh, think maybe the accent, having an accent is a good thing. Some people think it's a bad thing. Uh, some people don't care. Some people worry too much about having an accent. So we're going to be speaking about that. Okay. So before we jump into speaking about accents, can you give us a little bit of a context of who you are? Because like what you do and your background is perfect for this topic. Oh, absolutely. So uh, my name is Ann Mackey, and it's spelled differently, M-A-K-I. And my background is in speech language pathology or speech therapy. So for over 30 years, I've worked with um, traditionally with those who have disordered speech, maybe because of a stroke or a voice disorder or a head injury, things like that. Um, I still love doing that, but I have I've stopped doing that in order to pursue more full-time my business, which I created about 17 years ago. It's called Clear Speech Specialists. And what I do is I help people who are intermediate-level speakers to advanced-level English speakers to learn to pronounce American English uh, correctly and adopt some of the accent patterns of American English so they don't struggle uh, to be understood. Great. So you just mentioned American English, American English patterns uh, and accents. So I think the first question here, because everybody speaks about accents, but like this can have so many definitions or it can have so many implications. So what would you define as an accent? What do you think? Or can you explain a little bit of what an accent is? Yes, I'd be happy to. So first of all, um, anyone who's out there worried about their accent needs to know that accents are completely normal. Mm -hmm. And we love accents. They're awesome. Um, and there's not usually a problem with an accent um, unless it's a heavy accent, a thick accent. And then sometimes that gives us uh, difficulty understanding the message that the person is saying in spoken English. But an accent... The way it develops, the way it is naturally occurring is when we're babies, of course, we end up learning the speech sounds, rhythms, and cadence, voice inflection that comes from our native tongue, our native language. That sort of becomes hardwired in our brain, and that's what we, how we say things, and that's how we best understand other people is when they're using the same speech sounds and rhythms and everything. 
When we learn a second language, then that language often has very, very different speech sounds, rhythms, cadence, voice inflections, everything. And so the first language patterns, they overlay on top of the second language. And when those combine or mix, that's what creates an accent. And so it's really... It's really natural, and generally it's not a problem, but for some language backgrounds with very different sounds or very different rhythms, it does become difficult for a native speaker to understand them because it's not what the brain is expecting. So there's like a delay, like a puzzle piece that we have to figure out to understand that accent. Okay, that's great. So, uh, first of all, uh, just to emphasize some of your points, it is okay and it is normal. And sometimes it is inevitable to have an accent when you are learning English as a foreign language or as a second language. So, that's okay. And I think that's also part of your identity. Yes, it is. It is. And in fact, um, I think that accents, when they're clearly understood, are a big asset. Because if you're in the workplace, if you're working in the U.S. or whatever, you stand out, you know, as someone different. And that's not in a negative way, not in an exclusion way, but in a special way. Because most Americans that I know, especially at the professional level, they love when people come and speak with an accent because it's intriguing. It's like, oh, you're from somewhere different. Tell me about your culture or your foods or your customs uh, from your home country. I'd love to learn more. So it really, I think, helps you stand out and possibly have a little advantage because you have a clearly understood accent. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, that's, that's key here. You just mentioned a clearly understood accent. So having an accent is okay as long as it allows you to communicate clearly. Yes. What could be signs and that my accent is too thick or that my accent is preventing me from communicating with other people in a, in a good way? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a great question. So usually it's circumstantial, like you would start making observations of other people. When you're speaking with your accent, and you don't know necessarily that you have an accent, but you're speaking, and you start noticing that people make funny faces, <laughs> you know, they might scrunch up their eyes or turn their ear to you and cup their hand around their ear like they think they may not hear you loud enough, right? They're like, excuse me, could you repeat that, please? So you get an, a request to repeat. If it's one time, that's probably just normal, no big deal. But if it's asking you to repeat the same thing a second time, a third time, or a fourth time, this is kind of your red flag, a, a warning or an awareness for you to say, hmm, maybe they're not understanding my accent. And other things that might happen Sometimes people who want to hear, everyone wants to understand your message, but if they can't understand your message and they have to keep struggling to understand and they see you are struggling to communicate, they may start feeling really badly for you and they may begin avoiding you. And what I want to communicate to people, just to be clear, 99% of the time, if someone begins avoiding you, 
they're not disliking you or judging you or discriminating against you. It's purely that innate inside of us human desire to really easily communicate with you. And when they see you're struggling and they are, it's awkward. It's just really uncomfortable and maybe frustrating for both people. So they just want to avoid that situation and they might start avoiding you. But please don't take that personally as if you are not liked or you're not welcome or I don't really think that's the situation 99% of the time. Yeah. And I think the situation with having communication difficulties, it even happens inside or within languages. Absolutely. So for example, there are some accents in Spanish that for me as a native speaker are very hard to understand. I'm not going to mention which because people might get upset about that. (laughs) But you're thinking like, oh my God, I need captions to understand this person (laughs) because it's so hard. Yeah. Uh, And and it happens. So like, even if I speak Spanish, I speak with another native Spanish speaker and it's going to be kind of a similar situation. And and I think also in English is the same. There are some accents that even for native English speakers are hard to pick up. Absolutely. And what we call that is really a regional accent or a regional dialect. So you'll notice if you come and visit in the United States and you visit New York and you visit Texas, completely different accents are occurring there, those those regional dialects. And they can be very difficult to understand. Likewise, someone from Minnesota versus, um, who's, which is a northern state, versus maybe Louisiana or Alabama, there's going to be a very different way that they speak. Even slang terms are different and all of that too. But yes, we all have that accent. No one has zero accent, but the accent that that we try and modify um, accented speech toward is a more neutral accent. Sometimes that's called the standard American English accent. Okay, so that that part of the variations between accents and standard American uh, English accent is something I would like to explore a little bit more but before we do that i would like to go back a little bit and 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 talk about like how accent is part of our identity and it, it is part of for example our native language mm-hmm. and depending on how different your native language is from english it is going to affect your accent performance differently that's correct it will so in the case for example of spanish speakers because like that's that's most of our audience what can be some struggles or some characteristics Spanish speakers have when they are speaking in English when it comes to accents? Oh, that's a great question, too. Well, there are many things I could give examples of, but I actually kind of created a flip chart that I can show you just handwritten, but to share with your audience maybe things to listen for, whether they their speech is doing uh, these modifications of sounds I want to back up first and say that the real challenge with um, maybe, uh, for example, a Spanish speaker speaking English with an accent is that there are sounds like the TH that are not familiar to them in their native language. And so their brain will pick something else that's kind of close to that sound and substitute it. It's just natural. But in English, compared to Maybe in reverse, if I'm learning Spanish and I speak it with an American accent, I don't think people will misunderstand me terribly. They'll just know I'm speaking with an American accent. 
But in English, the challenge, English is so hard for many reasons, the challenge is that when we substitute a consonant or a vowel in a word, in English, it's a very likely possibility you're speaking out a completely different word. It changes to a whole different word that doesn't fit in the sentence, it doesn't fit in the context. And so your listener is really confused for a moment. It's like we're playing in our brain, probably like you may be translating while you're communicating with someone in English. We're doing something similar because we're trying to run a replay tape in our brain. Like you just said a sentence, it had words that were not fitting for the context to our ears. We didn't hear what made sense. So we're replaying that tape in our head, trying to quickly puzzle piece what word that could have been to fit. And then we repeat that and come back in the conversation. So we are oftentimes delayed in processing the auditory spoken language that the accented speaker is saying, just like the accented speaker is delayed in their processing in their brain because they're busy translating sometimes the English to the Spanish to the Spanish to the English, all in the, at the speed of conversation. <laughs> It's amazing we can understand each other, actually, <laughs> in a conversation. But let me give you some examples then of typical, you know, a few common things that we will hear as an American English speaker, I will hear from an accented Spanish speaker in English. I know this is old-fashioned to show you this little flip chart, but I'm going to do it anyway just to demonstrate. So one thing is, of course, the TH sound that is not so familiar to Spanish speakers. So TH will get substituted with something else. Real quickly, I'll share, we have two TH. We have a TH that's all air, and we call that voiceless, and that's and then we have a TH that's voiced. We turn on the vibration in our neck, and that sounds like So there's two, and I'll give examples of both. But this underneath, by the way, if you see, this is a symbol that is International Phonetic Alphabet. I do use that to differentiate the sounds so we didn't go, don't get confused with letters when we're trying to work on, on accent. But anyway, a TH will turn to a T. Okay. So the example here, thin is what you, a Spanish speaker say, but me, a native English link listener, I'm going to hear tin. She's very tin. Yes. Right? So you, you pause for a minute and go, well, that's a little strange. Or in this one, think is tink. What do you tink? Well, I don't know what tink is. So yeah. let me give you another few examples. That's one. The other voiced TH, we might hear they, the TH turns to a D. So we get they becomes day. We get those becomes doze. Doze means to fall asleep, maybe sitting in your chair, right? So these are words that may not fit in that sentence. Another one, of course, B and V, it actually goes... Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah it's a big one. <laughs> it goes both ways. Yes. In Spanish, we like for B and V, it's the same sound. We right. use the bilabial sound. That's right. And it's just like in Japanese or many of the Asian languages, R and L for them are the same sound. Yes. So they'll substitute those as well. But sticking with Spanish for the moment... Able, we might hear able, okay, which is a nonsense word to us. Five, we might hear fibe, or we might have no sound at all where it's omitted. Phi, yes. phi, 
right? You've heard this. <laughs> yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, because in Spanish, consonants are so weak. And we omit, and particularly, for example, in Car Caribbean accents, we don't pronounce a lot of the final consonants. And we transfer that into English, and it gets crazy because... Is English is very consonantic, it's super consonantic. It is. Oh, endings of English sounds or en English words are so important because you'll notice that there's like a, a rhythm, a pattern, a smoothness with American English. Some people say it sounds like music. And that's because we connect our words across phrases. We connect one word to the next word to the next word very often because of that final sound. Mm -hmm. So if a consonant's omitted, then the speech will sound choppy instead of smooth. So we teach that as well. But so here's V to B. I, you might say very, but I hear berry. You might say available, which is just full of V's and B's. And I'll hear available. Now, in a fast conversation, I'm not going to understand what that word is. It doesn't make sense to me. So, that's one of those, the longer the word, the more complicated the pronunciation. Absolutely. Challenges. Final M, here's again, final sounds. Final M often is pronounced like an N. So, M, lips are closed. M, N, tongue tip goes up behind the top teeth. N, so I would, you would say time. I would hear time. You would say sometime. I would hear sun time. Yes. Right. It happens a lot. I almost sound Spanish when I say that. <laughs> okay. The R, of course, the Spanish R is trilled or it bounces against that ridge behind our top teeth. So the same location where your tongue is doing your Spanish R is where our um, D is pronounced. Yeah. And several other sounds, mm -hmm. but D. So we hear a DR or just a D by itself. So when you say rain, I would hear drain, dr, dr, like DR, drain. Yes. Or Maria, very common name. We hear Maria, D, Madia. Madia. So if someone said they were going to write down your name and your name is Maria, they might write a D because that's what they're hearing. So that's one. A couple of others. Here is SH and CH, right? Yeah. We, we don't have the SH sound. We don't have the SH sound. So we just transfer it into CH. Yeah, because you do have CH. So this is just normal. This is what the brain is doing to make the best of the situation. So you might say share. I'm going to hear chair. Mm hmm. Right? You might say machine. I would hear machine, yes. which is not a word. But if the emphasis on the syllable were changed, I might hear matching. Like these two things are matching. They're alike. So that can be confusing. Then, of course, with CH sometimes turns into an SH. So chips, you might say ships. Like I'm going to eat a bag of ships. What? Right? <laughs> or cheap sheep is another example. Yeah. Very common. That, that's also, I, I don't know if you're going to bring it up later. Uh, the difference in vowels, for example, you have the long E and the short E. Yes, like in feet, It's yeah, coming okay. up. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The everyone, not just Spanish speakers, nearly everyone who speaks with an accent struggles with those two vowels. It's And it gets us in trouble. We'll talk about that. So here's the ya, which international phonetic alphabet is like you would pronounce it, ya. Yep. Right? Your, your J is, that's ya. And then this one, j, j. 
So Yale, jail. They're similar. I have a friend, she's uh, Romy, she's from Peru, and her husband was telling friends one day he was so proud because their son had been admitted into, or had was going to go to jail. <laughs> he was actually admitted into the college, very prestigious college, Yale. So whoo, yeah. we get ourselves into some sticky situations. And here, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, here we even have like the Argentinian accent because they pronounce it differently. They will say, shale. Yes, they say, oh, I've got a new job. Yes. Instead of, I got a new job. That's right. So like, it, it makes it very different from the accent. It does. Very different. And then mayor, you know, the person who's kind of in charge of your city or town would be pronounced major. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to the major instead of the mayor. So that's another common one. And then we're just going to do maybe three more here. Z, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have the voice Z, you have the S, so you'll substitute. And I'll say, what's the prize at the carnival? But you'll say price. So I hear price. What's the price? Or if you're spelling out the words that you don't understand, right? Z, if the word like zoo, it's going to be Z-O-O, but you'll pronounce it with an S, which makes it sound like the letter C. C-O-O -O instead of Z-O-O. -O. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Also very common one. Yep. Okay, and here we go. These there's two situations of vowels I'm going to just share today. The vowel. I think these these are the hardest ones because in Spanish we only have five vowel sounds. In English, I think it's about twelve. It's more. I think it's even fourteen or more. And depending on the dialect, you get yes. drift thongs and oh, it's crazy. Yes. So that is the challenge and the spelling interference. You know, in Spanish, oh, how I wish English had. Here's the yeah. here's the letter. Here's how you say it. End of story. But no, not English. So e and i. So e like ear and i like it. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously you would say I like to go. I I like that beach, but I'm going to hear I like that bit. You know, and this is a this is a really colorful sheet. You know that you put on your bed, but I'm going to hear this is colorful shit. So. Anyway, that gets very embarrassing and it's so unintentional. It oh, I just want to help people get through that for sure. And then these vowels that are ah, uh, and ah, the, the three of those get a little challenging to be clear with when you're pronouncing. So cop, like a police officer, ah, cop, cup that I drink of, drink from, cup, and cap. I'd put a ball cap on my head. Also, body, buddy, and baddie. If someone's bad, we might say, oh, he's a baddie. So, ah, uh, uh, and ah. Uh. Those are some of the most common ones, and I think your audience will probably relate to some of that if they're aware that they're speaking with an accent. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something I was thinking about. That is great that you have brought, like, visual aids, because, like, the <laughs> video version of these, they will actually be capable of like identifying the differences because when you're not aware of it what the ear does is it normalizes everything and it makes it sound to like stuff you're already familiar with so you don't notice the difference yeah that's right so i hope it's helpful that's i try and use that a lot just visual um help and i do diagrams or you know draw where the tongue is going that sort of thing um to make it clearer because it it is a challenge to 
try and only listen and change your accent. But some people can do that. Some people are amazing. They'll get a recording of a native speaker and they'll have a second option for recording, maybe computer and phone. So they listen, they mock, imitate, shadow that pronunciation and record themselves and keep doing that over and over and over. And some people without training can do that, but it's a lot of time and commitment. It's a challenge. Yeah, I've seen actors do it. I think Swedish actors get to imitate perfect American accents. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I don't know how they do that, but they do it. Yeah. Some people's brains are just geared toward language and geared toward spoken language. And they can hear those very, very fine differences easily and imitate them. And that's amazing. I wish I could do that for every language. I would love to speak multiple languages. And I so respect and honor the people that are multilingual. It's amazing. I just know a little Spanish and a little French, but just enough to get myself in trouble. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Okay, so now getting into the topic of American accent, which is, I think, the one we are the most familiar with when learning English, uh, at least in this part of the world. Um, people say American accent as if it's one thing. But it is not one thing. Like, actually, you have American accents. You have so many differences, variation, regional variations. Yeah. Like, you have in the north, south, depending also on the education back, educational background. There are so many aspects that, that influence this. So, That's right. first element here, there is no one American accent. But when we speak about American accent, quote-unquote, what are we exactly talking about, Anne? Well, that's kind of back to that um, term that I used before, the standard American accent. That's usually the goal uh, is to approximate or come closer to what is called the standard American accent. That means that it's the most neutral accent. Sometimes it will be called broadcaster English or broadcaster accent. Because someone on a television show, someone on a radio show, they might be, or someone doing a documentary, that sort of thing, they will tend to have a very clear, not, not very influenced by the North, the South, the East, the West. Their accent will be more Central America, not Central America, but uh, the middle part of America, the U.S. It's, it's more like a Iowa... Indiana, Illinois, Nebraska, that central part of the United States, those accents tend to be pretty neutral, not influenced strongly by a, a New Yorker accent or a Texan accent. So that's called standard American English accent. And that's kind of what accent trainers, coaches will teach so that no matter where you are coming from, you will understand that accent. And it's also helpful because, as you may know, the majority of people speaking English in the world today are not native speakers. Absolutely. They're from all these other countries speaking English. So we don't just struggle to um, understand the native speaker or whatever. We are all struggling to understand so many other accents in English. So if we all kind of come to the center and we try our best to pronounce in a very neutral way all things, then everyone understands everyone's accent. 
That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the importance of English here is like uh, how we use it as a lingua franca. So even though we are not speaking with people from the States or from Canada, we might be speaking with someone from Japan or from Russia or from Italy. And that's how we can establish communication with people from all around the world. So it's, it's important that we can have that communication in a clear way. I was just going to say that as human beings, I really think the core of what makes us human is being able to make our messages understood between us, that language, a common language, whatever it is that we understand each other. That's where we thrive, right? So that's where our job prospects improve and our social uh, connections improve. All of that is when we all really understand the message that's being shared. So that's why it's great to try and kind of polish the accent so it moves more toward that neutral version of English. Okay, I, I have a follow-up question here, Anne, and it is a lot of people like to watch movies or see TV or watch, watch uh, TV series in order like, to listen and to learn. Are there any movies or TV series that you could recommend that have kind of a neutral accent people can use as a reference for their own accent? Yeah, it really depends on your interest level, you know, what, what things you like to watch and everything. Some people have told me that they really like to watch the TV sitcom, the situation comedy called Friends. That's one that's very popular. So that has a lot of good, just conversational, casual English whether or not you like the topics that they talk about or whatever. I don't watch it very often, but my daughter loves it. And there are, I would say, any documentary or whatever. There's a, there's a fun movie series or television series called, it's kind of old now, but it's called House MD. It's actually a doctor. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've heard of that yes, one. Yes, I have. Yeah. Hugh Laurie. It's Hugh Laurie. And I, I would love for people to listen to him because he is not a native speaker of English, right? He is a British actor. And uh, it's fun to go look at his his interview or audition for that series on YouTube and hear how much he sounds like a, a native speaker. But anything like that. There's another one, a series that's pretty good called, I think it's called We Are Us, maybe? Mm -hmm. I think that's the name of it. But again, a lot of conversational speech between the actors in the show. That's That's always good. Truly, any movie is you know, a pretty good guess that you're going to get a good sampling. And maybe if it's not a sampling of the the neutral accent, it's okay. Go ahead and listen to the New Yorker in the movie or the Texan, because if you come to the U.S., you'll hear these accents. You might as well know what they're saying. You can get subtitles. You can know what they're saying and really understand Americans better. Because that's the other flip side of the coin, right? Is that many accented speakers are not understanding Americans. And that's partly because we do that connected speech, reducing uh, words, simplifying words, and using casual English. Like one example, if I said, what are you going to do on Friday? I wouldn't say it, choppy individual words like that. I would say, what do you, what do you, 
What are you doing on Friday night? What are you? Yeah, or what you doing? And, or whatcha? Yeah, what are you? Whatcha? And so these things are casual English, and it's something to learn and hear a lot to get accustomed to, so that when you land at the airport and you come into the U.S., you actually do understand what people are saying. Yeah, this is something I, I recommend, and it is when you are learning how to speak, you should try to aim for a kind of a neutral accent. However, when you listen, you should be able to understand as many accents as possible. And and from experience, because uh, I had this case at university, many many people are very used to listening to American accents, but they when they interact with a person who is from Australia or from Britain, they do not understand because they haven't like practice listening to that variety of accents. So like, even though you're going to be focusing on speaking in a particular accent, do listen and do practice listening to a variety of accents from different countries. Very good advice. And if you have the opportunity to listen through like YouTube or something, a speaker who's giving a presentation, a TED talk or something in an Australian accent or British, even slow it down if you can to give your brain a chance to catch up. Sometimes even American English speakers, we speak too fast. And when you're a new listener for that accent, it can be really confusing. So yeah, it might be slowing it down helps you. Okay. Now that you mentioned slowing things down, uh, there is like when you're learning a new language, there are two aspects that are linked. One of them is fluency and the other one is accuracy. Sometimes when we try to be very fluent and speak very fast, we sacrifice accuracy. That means we sacrifice the structure of the sentence or we sacrifice pronunciation. So what would you say is a good tip for a person who's learning to keep a good balance between speaking fluently and speaking correctly? Right. Well, um, I'll share too that language and, and speech, that fluency idea is fluency is more speaking, like reading, listening, understanding, and speaking, writing. All of those together are that part of fluency. And when you do it with ease and automatically, you know, that's where you're, you're fluent, right? Speech is different than language. Language is the meaning that you hold up in your head. All the grammar, the syntax, the verb conjugation, that's language. And then speech is separate. It's more the mechanical part of using your lungs, your mouth, your lips, your teeth, and using that to create the proper sounds and the proper uh, volume or the voice change inflection of your voice, all of that. So, quick background on that. But what I feel like some, some speakers will do is they think to be, to sound fluent, um, they must speak fast or they don't sound like a native speaker or they don't sound good. But I would encourage people to focus on however you do it, whether it's free YouTube videos or an accent coach or however you do it, listening to movies, focus on the accuracy of the pronunciation and master that first. Then you can possibly speed up a little bit, but I guarantee that if you think that you're going to just say it fast to get it over with, 
right? I'm just going to, I'll speak very quietly. I'll whisper it and I'll say it really fast. And then no one will notice I have an accent. <laughs> what, what I know happens is then your listener really did not understand you and you are going to have to repeat yourself. So if you can just focus on the pronunciation component, the spoken English, master those things first, and then speed up a little bit, then you will be understood clearly. You won't be repeating yourself all the time, and you'll be a happier English speaker. I do think that sometimes people think that we are speaking really fast also when what we really are doing is using connected speech. We are pushing together three or four words all on one breath in one big phrase. So it sounds like we're speaking faster when we're really just connecting all the words, which is another skill that you want to focus on if you choose to sound a little more native, like an American English speaker. That is a great tip, yeah, because people think about, hey, how can I sound more fluent? It's not about speaking faster. It is, as you say, it is about connecting the words together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in like in sentences. You can match or connect the, the final sound of a word with the next one, and that will make it. Okay, that, that's a great tip. That is a great tip. Yes. Good. Um, and a question that is very common and that a lot of people are interested on is, if I'm learning English as a foreign language, is it possible to sound 100% like a native speaker? <laughs> the answer to that is yes, absolutely. The challenge with that is how much time and effort do you really want to put into this? <laughs> Because it's, it's something you have to have extremely high motivation and extremely consistent discipline. But like we talked about Hugh Laurie in the past, the proof is in the actor. Because if someone were going to offer you $10 million in the next six months to play a part in a movie if you sound exactly like a native speaker of American English. Guess what? <laughs> That's pretty high motivation. And you would get out there and spend hours and hours recording yourself, comparing, modifying, you know, you would get there. So it is possible, but it's also not necessary. You know, okay. it's, it's not a requirement to sound like a native speaker. Like I said before, I do believe accents are beautiful. They're highly respected and loved in the U.S. by most people, especially at the professional level when you're working in a, in a situation where you're in your career. So it is a part of you. Don't feel like you need to get rid of it. Although, let me say, if you do get rid of your accent, you still have your accent in sort of the other file of your brain. It's like you have file A and file B. And file A, you go back to your home country, you start speaking with your family and your friends, and you're right back into, uh, even if you're speaking English, you're right back into the heavier accent that you've always had. But you mentally sort of flip the switch, choose the uh, coding that's from the second file, and can sound like a native speaker also. So you have that option. But if I were in your shoes, I would say, don't worry so much about sounding like a native speaker. Just sound clear in your speech and keep your mild accent because it's adorable and we love it. And we don't want you to lose that. <laughs> yeah, it is part of who you are. It's part of who you are. 
Great. Uh, okay, if, for example, I am in the situation in which I'm noticing I'm having a hard time to communicate and I consider taking accent reduction classes. So what, what is an accent reduction class or accent reduction training? And what are the effects of doing this kind of training? A good question. Well, it probably varies a little bit uh, based on who you work with, you know, different approaches that people might take. Some may focus uh, on just helping you with speech sounds. Some may help you with more of the rhythm and the cadence and the sounding more native, more natural. And I highly recommend finding people that help you try and sound more natural as the primary thing they teach. So we're talking about, you're learning about word stress and syllable stress, how to emphasize in a short phrase, we call that a thought group, how to take a thought group made up of maybe three to five words and emphasize a meaningful word with your voice inflection going up higher like you'll you'll hear that pattern as I'm speaking in English, where toward the end of my phrase, my voice is going up and then down. So that's emphasizing a content word, a meaningful word. So that's important to do. And then all the other words get kind of spoken on a flat line and reduced into a, a shorter version of the word. I won't say for, I'll say for. I'll go for a walk. I'll go for a walk. I'll go for a walk. I'm putting my emphasis on walk. That's the meaningful word. So learning that, learning to pause between those thought groups and using the intonation, the voice inflection, those things carry almost 70%, maybe more, of the meaning of what you're saying to a native speaker. They'll pick up on or understand so much of what you say because you're sounding, you're you're imitating the rhythm and the cadence and the word emphasis of a native speaker. Then the balance of the training is literally learning how to pronounce the TH, the R, the CH or SH, all of those separate sounds, consonants and vowels. And then you're in the position your mind knows how to do all of it. And then you practice, practice, practice with recording yourself, shadowing or imitating that native speaker version is essential to truly make change. And it is so possible. But that's the main thing that would happen in a class of accent reduction. Now, live practice is also a key component, you know, getting mm -hmm. feedback from that coach because you don't know if you're saying it correctly. Like there are some wonderful AI apps out there and, you know, artificial intelligence apps for pronunciation. You can try those. They're pretty good. But you know, when you're like, your tongue is just a little bit off the spot it needs to be on, or, you know, you're, you're trying to say an N, but you're saying an M or vice versa. The coach will be able to see that, uh, immediately give you feedback and say, here's what you need to do slightly differently to get it perfect. And that's so helpful to know. And as far as the benefits then of doing that, well, for one thing, instead of speaking with anxiety and fear and frustration, right? Once you've mastered some of this, you speak with ease, you speak with confidence. 
and you're not afraid to engage in conversations. Some people will just not speak up because they're so worried they're going to say something wrong and it'll be embarrassing or frustrating and they just don't want to speak. So there's that. You're more confident. You're also able to not repeat yourself all the time. So you save time, (laughs) right? And you can also just feel much more like yourself in the second language. Some people feel like they're imposters. You know, I'm, I'm putting on airs or being you know, not myself when I speak in English, but when I go back to Spanish, ah, I'm myself. As you work through pronouncing things more correctly and really sounding more like a native speaker, though not 100% like a native speaker, you don't have to do that. Well, then you start feeling like, ah, this is, it's me. It's really me inside this new language. I'm, I'm not pretending anything. It's really me. And you just know that you have someone who is there for you to answer any questions, to give you that feedback, to be your support uh, person, really life t- lifelong friend is what it ends up being because, you know, this can be an emotional thing for people. When they struggle. It is. And when you've got someone who cares so much about you and helps you, it's just like, oh, oh, let's be friends forever. (laughs) That's been my experience. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I do agree. There are so many things you can do by yourself online now. uh, But getting that feedback and that, like receiving that attention from somebody and having someone like care, really care for your process. Yes. Is absolutely like that is necessary for you to, to move forward. Like you can you can take some steps by doing things on your own, but if you're not getting that feedback, there are so many things you're going to miss out on. Yeah, and you could be reinforcing mm-hmm. an error. Oh, yeah. Like you could be making the incorrect pronunciation, but you don't know for sure if you are or are not. And so then your new habit is different, but it's still an error. And now you have a new accent component, (laughs) you know. So, it is helpful, even if it's just brief, you know, do a lot of work on your own and then have a few sessions with a coach or whatever, you know, just to make sure that you are on track and you're doing a great job. That sounds great. Okay. Uh, And you have given us a lot of amazing tips, a lot of great information for those who are learning English, who want to improve or perfect their accent. Uh, So, like, I'm sure there's a lot of gold nuggets for people who are listening to this episode right now. I hope so. (laughs) If people want to learn more, they are interested maybe in exploring a little bit deeper into how you can improve your accent and how you can do accent training, potentially taking an accent training class or session, where can they find you? Because you're the expert of this area. Okay. Well, if someone's a professional level and they're on LinkedIn, that's one of the best ways to find me. And I'm sure you'll put that link down below, but um, it's basically linkedin.com slash I-N slash Ann Mackey, and that's spelled A-N-N-E-M-A-K-I. So that would be one place to kind of go and explore, see what other people have said about those services that I provide and if they're happy. Um, they tend to be. And then another option I would love to offer your audience, I really appreciate this opportunity to speak with them and to be on your show. It's really truly an honor. I'd love to offer them this this potential um, meetup with me for a 45-minute free consult. No obligation to take a course or pay anything, but just simply 
let's get to know each other. Let's find out, you know, where are your primary accent issues and what could you do even on your own that you could uh, improve your pronunciation quickly and easily by focusing on just a couple of things. So that's an option. And in order to get to that, um, if you'd go to my website, which is clear, C-L-E-A-R, speech, S-P-E-E-C-H, specialists, that's plural, S-P-E-C-I-A-L-I-S-T-S.com, clearspeechspecialists.com, then you can download a free uh, PDF and audio file guide for a speed accent training guide, I call it, in seven easy steps. So it'll give you some tips, even on the T-H and the R are included in that. And then there'll be a next step where you're invited to um, fill out an application. If you're an intermediate or advanced level speaker, fill out that application, set up a, a time. There's a calendar in there and you can set up a time to meet with me for 45 minutes and let's see how I can help you. And if nothing else, you'll just have a new friend out in the world who understands what you're going through and is there for you whenever you need me. Amazing. So for those listening, all those links are going to be available in the episode description, the link to Anne's LinkedIn and the link to Anne's accent training. Uh, is, is it video? Is it a video training? It's actually just a website and then it offers you a free download. So at clearspeechspecialist.com. Good. Yeah. So you're going to have access to all those downloads and potentially to a, a live call with Anne. Uh, by visiting the links in the description. And thank you so much. Your contribution, your the information you have provided is very, very valuable to us. Oh, thank you. And I, I hope I'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you so much, David. This was a real pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, your ultimate resource to enhance your English skills. Subscribe to our podcast to access new episodes and take your English skills to the next level. Feel free to contact us with any questions, suggestions, or specific topics you would like us to cover. Reach out at info at fluentenglishpro.com and visit fluentenglishpro.com for more resources. Until next time.